check, 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 Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Phoenix Rods and Electric Fishing. Today we have Josh Bertran. Um, he's the last episode of the Arizona guest from Yuma. And I have Frankie Mueller sitting as a, as a uh, co-host. I'm kind of think I want to start doing that in the next uh, next month. So I'll have some co-hosts sitting here and there with different guests. It's fun. I like it. It's fun. Uh, something different, new. So uh, we'll be, be trying that out. Uh, it was a great episode. He has a lot of a lot of great insight for tournament anglers and a really cool story. A funny guy. Also check out his podcast, Anglers Happy Hour. You can check that out on iTunes, Spotify, um, Stitcher, all the same places you'd grab ours. Great podcast. Funny and fishing podcast as well. Um, yeah, it was a fun time going to Yuma. I think I'm going to be going to the Delta pretty soon again. I'm going to try to fit in a couple podcasts, but it's actually for something else. So um, that'll be good. I have uh, I have an, uh, Chris Monroy this week. I had to do a little editing, and he was uh, on vacation, so I wanted to wait for him to get back because uh, we, we got a little plastered. <laughs> and uh, then I'll have in the next couple of weeks, I'll have Matt from 86. We had to reschedule that one. I got a couple good guests lined up. I'm going to try to grab a little more salt guys i want to try to mix that back in as much as i can she's been super busy so it's hard to even schedule i haven't even had any uh scheduling done actually i do have um andrew swaim uh man brew he kind of grew up over here but he lives on the east coast now big swim bait guy um he's coming on i'll be a zoom one since he lives on the east coast and uh yeah i have some good episodes coming out but um please check out electric fishing this will be the last week you guys can get the code so the code is cc30 a big supporter of the podcast you get 30 percent off if you go to electric and enter that code by any pair of sunglasses please tag us if you do buy a pair i'd appreciate that and check out this little piece from them once again it's cc30 please grab a pair of glasses this will be the last week you can get that code so i'd greatly appreciate that um I'll be back on the YouTube. It's been super hard since I've been really busy to get back on the episode. So I'll try to put out two this week. I'll put out um, Tristan and I'll try to put out Gary Key as well. And then um, and I, I got to do that and I have to do uh, Billy. So maybe I'll put out three. I don't know. Or two. We'll see. Um, check out the YouTube. Subscribe to that. Please give us a five star positive review on iTunes. I'd greatly appreciate that. Or on Stitcher or Spotify. Greatly appreciate that. Um, hopefully, we'll have some new gear coming out soon. I just just uh, got to figure out a new logo or new design. I'm sorry, not a logo. Uh, but we'll do something cool. And uh, we have the live episode next month. I forgot the date. I think it's the 20th with Butch and Mike Gilbert together. So we'll be doing a live Q&A on YouTube like we did last time. Be a lot of fun. And that's about it, guys. I got a big announcement to make. I'm, I'm working on the project. It's been a lot of work. So uh, if you do a little lurking, you probably could find it on Instagram, but it's something really cool that all you guys could use. So hope you guys like this one, and thank you to everyone that came on from Yuma. Thanks, guys. He would love that. Oh, yeah. He, he's he's uh, wanted to do it himself, which is great, you know, but... 
I was, I'm going to have to send them to him because he, he refused to take them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can have them. the peanut gallery in the back. You I'll can take have them, bro. This goals. is the best. Yeah, I'll trade this you. This is the best. This guy back there, look at him, shirt covered and everything. <laughs> Fat cat. <laughs> Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. This is a. This is something I'll, I'll make a little quick announcement. I think after the four year anniversary, which is August, I want to start incorporating a guest co host, and I'm going to try it out on this episode. I got Frankie. Not only is he a great interview. He's sponsored by an amazing company, as you can see right here, Phoenix Rods. They sponsor the podcast, so we love it. Thank you, Frankie, for being a yeah. guest co-host. Thanks today. for having me, man. Um, we have a we have a big namer, another big namer on the podcast. Pro, professional fisherman, not only a professional fisherman, professional podcaster, Josh Bertrand. Yeah, I'm I'm such a professional podcaster, <laughs> man. I I am a professional fisherman. I'll say that, but. Yeah, far from that on the podcast side, but you you are truly a professional podcaster. If you look at this, dude, I, I I'm a podcaster. I, I don't know what the heck is going on in front of me. I, well, because I know podcasting or audio kind of like you guys know fishing. So I was a recording engineer for, gosh, about 24 years ago. I went to school, had my I guess certificate. I was like a year class, but I record uh, hardcore and punk bands for a long time. No kidding. Yeah, I was playing music my whole life, so. I'm way better at playing drums and bass than I am at fishing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's what I did, hardcore and punk bands. But uh, So, do you like Creed? They're the best. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, the reason I know of you is uh, I checked you out. My buddy uh, Shane Morgan told me a while ago, hey, check this podcast out. And I always look for new podcasts. Because, like I say, I, I mean – I don't try to just only listen to a certain one, especially fishing. I want to hear some different people talk differently. And I think you guys had a good combination of people where you had the co-hosts, like three different dudes. And it's pretty funny, you know, like, and you guys try to be lighthearted and fun and have fun where it's not just like, okay, give me your techniques. Bam, go. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like a fun podcast. So that was super cool. And uh, from what I heard is uh, Gary Key gave you your career. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dude, I was at his house on the way over here. I, uh, I was going to try to get here early, and uh, I hadn't seen Gary in a long time, so we were just catching up over at his house. He lives down the road here, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and we had we've had so much fun fishing on the water and stuff like that. But yeah, our podcast is every podcast is different, right? And uh, I, I love the fact that yours you have so many different guests. There's so much variety in your podcast and ours. We don't really have a format. We don't have anything we follow. It's real. We call it English happy hour because it's like the type of stuff you'd be chatting about after fishing at happy hour with your buddies. Exactly. When you go out to eat yeah. or go out to the bar, you just it's the conversations you have with your buddies. And we try to mix in fishing stuff. Um, and we definitely do. That's what we that's what we know. And that's what we're good at. But it can get monotonous when, like you said, when it's just drilling, you know, okay, what rod do you I love, use? I that? love you what saying that. That's, yeah. that's the monotonous 100%. So it's nice to do something new. And that's why I kind of like, I want to feel new. So I feel like having like a guest co-host, like where he can chime in if we start talking fishing. He can maybe go like, oh, Arizona, I know this, this, and this. He could chime in, you know, like, okay, cool. Chime in. I, I want you to because I want it to feel new. And you got to feel good about it, just like fishing. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, if you're not going to have that, like, I don't feel confident enough or not even confident if I don't feel good about it. You don't need to feel confident, but good about it, right? That's going to show, yeah. right? It's going to show in the in the finished product. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I think this is pretty cool because, yeah, Frankie's got so much knowledge on fishing in the Southwest and stuff. And uh, 
I can tell already, dude, you're really loose on the on the mic and stuff. So yeah, He's you're gonna be a loosey, great. I, I had a warm up show before this, so. <laughs> but like going back to the confidence thing, like my deal was is like growing up. It's kind of it's kind of sounds corny, but like when KVD, I heard him say on one of his shows, "If you don't think you're gonna win, why even show up?" Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's as much of an aspect as like, you know, you're gonna win every tournament, but like you got to have the mindset for fishing and. That goes, I think having the right mind for fishing is more than talent. But that's for everything, too. I feel like if you don't, like I, I've been that podcast where I'm like, I don't feel this. This is not, I don't, you know, like yeah. I don't feel that spark. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Where you're like, oh, this feels good. Let's let's go. Right. And it's, it's with everything. And same thing with the tournament. Even just talking to him about the way he kind of came up. Is like you felt that spark that one time and it just all went right. Yep, you just yeah. get some momentum. Same thing, just keep going. right? If you're having fun, if you're into it, it's gonna show. And if you're just going through the motions, that that shows too for sure. Yeah. Yep. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, where you kind of cut your teeth. Yeah. So you know, for me, anyways, I'm 33 now. So pretty much grew up in Arizona. Grew up in the Phoenix area. Now I live in Queen Creek. So. Early on, you know, my earliest fishing days, born in New Hampshire. So in New England, like bass fishing isn't really, really big, but I love to fish as a little kid, trout fishing in streams with my parents, my grandparents, my brother, stuff like that. Moved out here uh, eight years old and I got really into bass fishing at like 12. For whatever reason, I always like loved fishing, but bass fishing, the bug just bit me at that age. And um, just all I wanted to do at that point was just catch bass. And then after doing that for a couple of years and, you know, really struggling, right? Like it's not, you know, we live in the desert, right? So a kid with no bass fishing experience in the desert, it's going to be a, not the easiest road to be out there catching fish all the time, right? right? But, you know, we would go every weekend. We had a, uh, an aluminum boat um, and I would go with my dad and brother every single weekend. And the more we did it, you know, we started catching some fish, learning the different techniques. I got really into tournament fishing at like 15 I kind of learned a little bit about the world of tournament fishing and I'm a really competitive guy, Mm -hmm. love playing sports, love watching sports. And like tournament fishing was that perfect combination of the competition of the tournament, but also the just being outdoors and fishing that I love to do. So at that point, I just got super, super into it, started fishing tournaments, um, you know, fishing local stuff every weekend that I could. So when you were 15 and you were fishing the tournaments, was it, uh, you're fishing against adults or was it a kid tournament? I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't get into any of the junior stuff and I wish I would have. It wasn't, you know, how old are you, it's, Frankie? I'm 26. So that was probably like a little bit before your time. Yeah. You know, it, they had like a local Phoenix junior club. That's what I was in. But okay, there you go. But yeah. it really, it wasn't much when I was that age and high school fishing wasn't a thing. You know, even when I was in college, there weren't really a lot of college options. ASU had just started a club when I was about college age, but you know, I didn't, I didn't do any of that. It was just regular tournaments, right? I, I was lucky enough. I was like so eaten up with it that some guys kind of took me under their wing at a young age. So I'd fish a few tournaments with my dad, but he was never like a diehard, diehard fisherman in general. Yeah, he did yeah. it to be supportive. And I was, I'm always so ever thankful for that. Cause he would go just cause I was all about it, but he had never fished a tournament or anything like that. Did, did you fish the TBF? A lot. I did, and that was like one of the circuits that I really cut my teeth. The Bass Federation, yep. Yeah. And I, I always, anyone that's getting into tournament fishing, 
at a young age or even at an older age that wants to learn and and start advancing through the through the levels tbf is the best What's place a t- to do, do it tbf same thing you fish? tbf back then was like the flw side of what i'm fishing now mm-hmm. the bass okay. nations exactly so whether it's the bass nation or the tbf they're they're separate organizations but they're real similar and you know that was a, a great way to start and what makes that so good is you fish with someone different in every tournament yeah. and the tournaments are not always on the same lake you know the arizona tbf has or their bass nation six tournament schedule they're all on different lakes and then if you qualify for regionals you get to go fish in another state okay. if you qualify for nationals you fish somewhere across the country and you're doing it for a lot less of an investment than a lot of the other tournaments so it's, it's the it's the best place to do it whether you're going as boat or a co-angler but anyways that's where i cut my teeth a lot early on and just uh you know kept fishing tournaments i Graduated high school. I went to a community college for like a year and then uh, going to take the spring off to get really into <laughs> guiding. And here we are now, you know, but I, I guided uh, straight out of high school. That was how I kind of made some money and, uh, you know, got extra time on the water. That was a really big thing for me, too. Were you cut? Where did you cut your teeth like lake wise? Or, or were you on the river? Were you on lakes more? All around Phoenix. So, yeah, like I would it was a treat to come to the river. Okay. You know, where Frankie fishes all the time, it's three hours, four hours from Phoenix. So it was a treat to come to Havasu or come down to Martinez or something like that. But Lake Roosevelt, Pleasant, Bartlett, Saguaro, Canyon, Apache, those lakes around Phoenix. Um, that's where I was fishing a lot of my local tournaments. Um, you know, and then guiding, I got into guiding and there was about five years there where I did two, 300 trips a year. Tons of tons of guide trips on the water all the time and good time on the water. Was that what the Arizona fishing guides with scooter? It, it started out with the hookup guide service, and then ultimately we ended up starting Arizona fishing guides, and um, you know did that for about five years full time while I was fishing tournaments, um, you know, and just progressively started doing better and better in the tournaments. We had one really good year fishing local tournaments. It gave me a bunch of confidence to go back east, and um, my second year fishing the Bassmaster Opens, I had a great year. I won Angler of the Year and made the Elite Series. What year was so, that? 2012 okay yep so uh made the elites i fished the elites for six years moved over to um when the bass pro tour started at mlf i moved over there and i'm go- i'm in my fourth year of that so so um, you you went why did you move um you know at the time it was obviously a huge shakeup in the fishing world right and um you know the biggest thing for me honestly was i wanted to just be where i felt like the best competition was at and uh you so know the best are in the mlf I mean, it, 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 that, yeah, dude, of course <laughs> he's putting, he's testing the waters, right? You know now. the deal. Hey, I've heard of all this, these things, most, these things you talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> most of the top ranked guys moved, right? So okay. I wanted to be, uh, with those guys for sure. Do you ever miss fishing the elite series? There's definitely things like, I mean, there's things that are great, great about both. And I definitely have certain things I miss, but there's certain things I love about this. I'm happy with what I'm doing now for yeah. sure. Um, but Dude, it's a lot harder. Like, I There's don't know. There's days it's, where you're just like, man, I wish I could just have to catch five fish instead of 50. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Apparently, the guy next to me doesn't really care for them. <laughs> well, no, no, no. no. I'm just <laughs> He's, dude, hey, come on, man. You got to get used to my fucking jokes, buddy. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, it, I like I liked to hear the differences because the only person I had on, I think, Palinick made the jump, right? Uh-huh. And he, uh, he talked did. about it. And then it. he went back. He was a big proponent to making the jump. Right. And we talked about that a little bit. And I knew about it a little bit. And uh, he said what he thought, how he felt. And uh, it's cool to hear from someone else that did the same thing. Yeah, you know, everyone's got their own 
So it's been four years and things are starting to calm down in the fishing world. It was a crazy shakeup, dude. But I think everyone you had happy. to choose like a side, like a line, right? Yeah. Like you, like you, it was like a line, like you're either with us or you're with them. And that's it. Yeah. Now th- these are two very different things and I, I, you can't compare the two, but have you guys been watching the golf? What's going on with oh, the, yeah. with the Phil PGA Mickelson the, paid like, got paid like 200 million to go over to whatever what, I don't the even live know what tour is. is what it's called. Now yeah. I'm not comparing that. That's a very different deal, but it is pretty crazy because like you don't see those shakeups in professional sports. Have you seen any of this, Nick? I, I've, I've. There's one shakeup that I, I back, and I know people didn't was Zaldan going to Guggen. Okay. You know why? Because it's like a payday, and I get it. You're getting you're you're a professional fisherman, sure. and uh, people like lost their shit about that. And I get Guggen. You could say all you want. It, it's your livelihood. So Very I mean, successful you know, business. And it's like it, the whole thing was is he moved because he was getting paid. And I think when you do something like you fish for a living, you would know. Uh, you do something for a living like this podcast is not a living, but it makes my wife really fucking mad sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it'd be sure. nice to hey, get <laughs> something back from it. So I could see Zaldane going. And I'm like, if you're going to do that, I, I liked that he did that. But how about if you just said, I did it because I got a payday? That's what a lot of people are saying about the golf thing. Right? So that, that's and, what I'm saying. Like, exactly. he got a payday, and I would be no, no problem with that. I don't know much about golf. I just know John, John Daly is a bad motherfucker. Dude. <laughs> if I was a pro golfer, I'd be John Daly. <laughs> yeah. You can't help but love that guy. Yeah. Oh, dude. I don't know anything about him, but I watched, uh, there's this podcast with those young kids. Oh God! And they interviewed him. And Is it a barstool podcast. Oh, the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The Nelk, it, was it the Nelk Boys? Um, I think it might have been. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I like this. This is cool, and it was a good story. And I like listening to stories. Yeah. So to me, I was like, if you're gonna get paid, I, I can't tell you no, right? I mean, yep. Yeah. Got to do it for that. yourself. Yeah, and and pro- like like I think when the bass fishing split happened. You know, I, I gave one of the reasons, but of course, everyone did what they did because they thought it was the best for them in their career, you know, at the time. And no one knew what was going to happen in the future, but like, you wouldn't do it if you didn't think it was the best for you and your family, right? And like, yeah. hey, bass fishing is one of those, it's like one of the least guaranteed ways to make a living ever. Like, it's not a very stable way to make a living. And I love doing it. I'm thankful to be doing it. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you meet someone that's an engineer or something and and they want to risk it all and go to go to try to be a pro bass fisherman. I'm thinking, dude, think about this before you do this. Yeah. You know, I don't know if this is a good idea, but but you know, at the end of the day, you're getting to do what you love, and and there's there's nothing better. But um, yeah, I mean, if you got an opportunity to make some money, these pro golfers, it's crazy money. I mean, they're all they so. Do what is, is the organization they're going to? It's called Live. Live. Yeah. So it's L-I-V. not PGA. It's called LIV. They're pulling these guys from the PGA, and it's like Saudi Arabia, and there's crazy, yep. crazy whoa, whoa, whoa. money. That, they, they're gonna get it. That's they're it. gonna get all of it. They do. They they do like some crazy MMA stuff. I follow them. I used to. Mm-hmm. They do the same thing with MMA. You know, the Saudi Arabian guys. Yeah, do? They, they do whatever they want. They bring freaking models and shit. <laughs> Apparently, they have, they have bass your over there. In the background. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. What are we talking about? Pull them out. <laughs> Apparently, like simmer down, fat cat. <laughs> it's like it's unlimited money, right? And there's it's controver- There's a lot of controversy because where that money comes from and what people in that country stand for. Some people in that country, I guess, is it's not a hundred percent maybe on the up and up, but like mm-hmm. they're they don't that league doesn't care about making money. 
they just want to have something cool in their country. That's right. literally it to make them. So are their golf tournaments going to be in Saudi Arabia? That, no, I don't even think they are. They've done uh, one already. I think uh, they're doing. I think they've done one already in the U.S. and another one coming up in Massachusetts. So mm-hmm. yeah, pretty weird, man. Nice. But it's a great. I mean, so I don't know much. Where that was when they made the push, were they kind of bringing guys with a better pay pay uh, payout? Yeah, big time. Yeah, I mean, like the, some of the signing, like Phil apparently got like two hundred million dollars signing bonus to wow. just agree to go play. And there's been a couple other guys. I think they got eight guys out of the top, or eight guys out of the top fifty in the world ranking so far, and uh, they've been getting like a hundred, hundred twenty-five million to to sign and play over there, and that's like. Dude, you don't never have to swing a golf club again after Why that. Why would you turn that down? It's really you know? hard, yeah. So now we talk about comparisons. What's the big comparisons that made you move? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Something that you really liked. Sure. I mean, for one, the competition was a really big thing. Mm-hmm. I, there was great, and there's still great competition at Bass. Great competition. They're both elite guys on both leagues, but, um, you know, that the opportunity to, to, to be a part of something new, a really big thing for me, too, was the amount of live camera time that you actually have in your boat so there's less guys on the water at one time the maximum guys on the water in these tournaments are 40 so and there's 10 cameras so you have a 25 percent chance of being of having a camera in your this boat is on live. the flw on the mlf on the yep. MLF, I'm sorry. on the bass pro tour okay, yep. yes yes so that's dude that's the biggest thing you can sell your sponsors is having that that camera in your boat and you know that compared to what we had before that there was a hundred plus guys on the water with five live cameras so i mean your coverage is instantly tripling and the amount of cameras i've had hours i've had live camera in my boat typically i've got live camera in my boat 40 50 hours a season which is uh which is a lot for i mean compared to anything i ever had in the past so that's a really big deal it's just more value to your sponsors you know but they but Dude, it's, it's funny because since that split happened, you always say rising tide rises all boats. Yes. It's like every, the, the sport has gone from this level to this level, in my opinion, in the last four years. Do you it's, guys agree? It's blown up, man. Like, think of all the people that fish. Dude, that. I got a podcast where I don't even know what I'm fucking doing. And I <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, I mean, I've, I've, I've just been four years in August, so I can see what has taken off. And uh, I feel like tournament, everything, swim bait's been one thing that's really fucking taken off, like yeah. huge. In the last four years, you've seen it. But, yeah, I mean, you see people dumping money. I've had I've had people come up to me with ideas that have big companies, and I go, that ain't going to work, but you can try. Like, that want to dump money into things, and I'm like, wow. It's like an investment, you know? Like, I'm like, this is kind of crazy. That's cool. You know? But, um, so... Another thing about this is what's cool to talk about you because I've had a lot of big people that are like sponsored by a lot of different companies. How much do you think social media plays into the whole sponsorship? So not only your hours, but like how much do you have to make sure you're active on your social media pages? It's it's a big deal for sure. I mean, it's at the end of the day percentages percentages. It's it's hard to say, man, because like if you're doing a really good job to represent your sponsors, you're doing it from so many different angles. But social media is one of the biggest, and what what makes it so big is it's easy to track as a sponsor. Like, it's very easy to have analytics and be like, this is what I did, or them to ask, okay, what did you do? And and, and realistically, just like having a, a, a bunch of salesmen that work for you, you know, you track 
how much they sell. Well, you can track on social media how many impressions guys get. Right. Um, so that's, I think, one thing is everyone's on social media and it is very important, but it's also really easy to track, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you, you might be promoting a product and, it, you know, you might sell a hundred Garmin graphs over the course of the year to guys at the boat ramp, you know, just, or at, you know, guys that you meet and chit chat and stuff like that, but you can't track that. That's right? the problem that I have. It's like, okay, you can track your impression. So say I've seen this happen with social media guys. Okay. Say you have a hundred thousand followers. So I sell you this product uh, and you say, Oh, I made a huge impression. People are buying this. How do you know? If I don't have a product code, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So it's, to me, it's like, I don't believe in that as much. I feel like a company should sponsor people that can fish. And I still believe in that or someone that could produce, uh, produce some, uh, a, a type of product, fish, good content, whatever it might be, but it doesn't work like that. Well, the, no matter what, at the end of the day, as important as social media is at the end of the day, if you look at the guys that have endemic fishing industry sponsors, the best deals, signature series products, they're the best fishermen. And they're the guys that put the bass in the boat better than anyone else. Um, Jordan Lee, Kevin Van Dam, Edwin Evers, Skeet Reese, uh, Jacob Wheeler, Brandon Polnick. Those are the guys that are the best fishermen and they have the best deals. And nothing replaces, you could say whatever you want on social media, but nothing replaces going out and putting those products to use and like people are watching it, uh, you know, people want to follow Jordan Lee and do what Jordan Lee does because he's a good fisherman and he catches fish better than anyone else. It's not because he's, he's, he's a great they, guy. Exactly. He's got a fun personality, but he's not jumping around the boat, telling jokes, being crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's dude, he's quiet. You ever watch that guy and his social media is the same way. He's not. Who's the dude that antics. smashes liquid deaths? Matt Ooh. Robertson. Oh, nice. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He has the freaking bass shield tattooed on his arm. He is a classic. And he's a good fisherman. He, you know, he's, he's a Did really you see good fisherman. Is he really sponsored by stick? He is. He oh, actually wow. uses the rods. Did you see his glide bait rod? No. It's an ugly stick catfish series rod. <laughs> and he hey. throws a glide bait on it. And didn't catch his And he them, puts him in the boat. That's cool. That's not the proper rod. Yeah, that, I, that'll make some people's skin crawl like Nick's, huh? I. <laughs> I'm not a swim. I mean, like I said, I'm not like a swim bait fisherman, but I do fish swim bait a tad more right. than conventional. So you wouldn't use an ugly stick catfish rod? I can't. So my my one of my PBs. So I have my PB actually seven point something is on a five foot six ugly stick with a Daiwa Strike Force on a spinner bait. I didn't know what I was doing. Just, I I got See, to the game late. You're hating. I got to the game. I am. <laughs> I got to the game late. I got to the game. Uh, I was 29 when I started fishing. I'm 40, gonna be 42. Cool. I, I didn't know what to buy. So I bought the trigger grip and I'm throwing a spinnerbait because my uncle taught me he was in a big bass club, bass backwards. Spinnerbait, stick up, spinnerbait. I was like, all right, cool. Throwing it two, two, three. And I'm like, I think I'm stuck. And this whole fucking rod's bent in half. So I can't hate on the ugly stick because I did catch my no. TV on it. Dude, it's awesome. But I mean, it's, uh, it's I, I, I mean, that that's a whole I, do, okay how about this don't you feel like swim bait fishing is a whole nother genre period dude i feel like any technique is like an art like all of it you know like like you took out my buddy the other day and you guys were deep cranking like guys are good at deep cranking guys are good at swim bait fishing 
guys are going to flip you know. So like yeah. that's like if I came with a broomstick and that wasn't parabolic to go crankbait fishing, but I caught him anyway. Hey, that and that's It'd be the deal, same right? thing, yeah, yeah, right, you know what I'm saying? But no, I think he does something cool, different. Like, of course, I wish he'd be smashing beers and doing the real thing, not liquid tests. But <laughs> I get it. it's got to be PG for the the ratings, right? You know, but uh, it's something different. How it about is that? Cool. I, I totally agree. And and the fact that he can go out there, it's so so many people can watch him go out there and, and do well in a tournament with an ugly stick, which is it's a, a good rod, dude. It's not as as light or sensitive as maybe some of the rods that we use, but it's still a, a great rod. And uh, dude, you got you, he's got to be having it. They're, I guarantee you they're not Walmart ugly sticks. Well, <laughs> no, that's they, what I'm saying. There's got to be a different fucking plank they, for that. It cannot be the same. They've got a, I think they've got a couple different ones. Okay. They've got the straight like $30 Walmart, and then they've got some that are step up that, that you know, different actions and stuff like that. Yes, yes, something like that. Phoenix blanks. Phoenix Rod, sponsor the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's it's cool. Like, the, the social media thing was something big with you because I feel like you, you – have a lot of sponsors i want to know what the percentages are because it's cool to hear from a tournament angler you know yeah i i don't know exactly but it's important and uh but at the end of the day it all boils down to if dude if you're catching fish people want to know what you're up to as a tournament fisherman and if you're not catching fish the shtick only lasts for so long right you can only bs your way for so long right so you got to be able to do it all but you can't be the guy that catches fish and then ignore social media because again, it's, it's a really big deal. It's in the top, it's in the top three most important things as a, uh, asset to a sponsor yeah. for sure. I'll say that. Yep. So even, so when you first started, so say when you, uh, got into the elites, like when you won everything, how did that all work? Like explain that story. You yeah. Know? So my, uh, first, again, I was young. I'm like 23 at the time. So I, you know, at 23, you think you, you, you got it all figured out. Right. So like I go into my first year thinking like, oh yeah, dude, I want to angle of the year in the opens. I'm going to get all these sponsors to go fish the, uh, elite series. It's going to be easy. And you know, it, it was a lot harder than I expected. You know, I, I had not anywhere close to my expenses covered for the year. And again, single, or I was, I, I was dating my now wife, but we had no kids. We weren't married. Um, didn't have anything to our name. So it didn't really matter. Like if we went out and and failed, right? Like Gary was on here yesterday talking about, he qualified for the elites, you know, in 2009, 2010, dude, he had several kids. He had a family depending on him. And that's a really different, that's a tough decision. Yeah, it really is. And, um, for me, it was an easy decision because I didn't have anything. So what am I going to lose? Right. Right. And, um, so going into that, through that first year, I had to win enough to, not only pay my expenses, but pay my living at home. And um, that's what I think is really common for guys that like, you know, their first, those companies in the industry, there's so many fishermen. And there's companies in the industry, you not only have to qualify, but you have to fish for a year or two to prove that you're gonna be sticking around. Yeah, you can't just show up out of the blue and expect it to be handed to you. Yeah, you you, you know, just because you made it doesn't mean you made it. And, and, it, you all, that never goes away. Like the pressure of that always continues. But like, you know, that first year was really tough. I think I had, you know, like I said, your entry fees are, are close to 50 grand. Your expenses are 25, 30 grand. And I didn't And what have year a, was that? I'm sorry, I had to go 2013. Pee. Yeah. So my first year was 2013. So that's a, that also to get those sponsors then was different than it is now. 
right? I, I would, I'm sure it is, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, and, and, um, because, you know, like, I feel like nowadays it's you, you're blindsided by, I know I hate coming back to social media, but you're blindsided by it now to where before you could kind of reach out to a company, email them and just say, Hey, this is what I do. And that's your resume. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like still to this day though, aside from social media, I feel like results will stand out oh, over yeah. people that can promote. And I'll tell you another thing too, that doesn't get talked about much is just relationships. You know what I mean? And that's a huge thing before social media. Now, like uh, some of my sponsors, every sponsor cares about different stuff. Right. And uh, you know, sometimes dude, you might, you might contact a company that has a soft spot for bass fishermen. My first sponsor ever, or my, my first big non-endemic sponsor yeah. ever, Smoky Mountain Snuff. They are, yeah, there you go. Yeah, professional podcaster. Um, <laughs> it's a great demographic for fishing because it's a tobacco alternative. So many fishermen chew tobacco, right? But <laughs> you're dead. Yeah, 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 there you go. I, I, I called him up and the uh, VP of, uh, of um, marketing was a, uh, a diehard bass fisherman. And uh, we started a relationship, right? And, and uh, you know, so, ma so much of it is, uh, is, is having relationships with the company and maintaining them. And, you know, there's guys out there that don't have a great social media following or don't have whatever. And they may just, they might have a great sponsor because they got a great relationship with the company. And they, they might do a lot for the company in other ways. You know, it's everyone's different and there's not one blueprint on how to do it. You just you got to have a lot of different irons in the fire. So when you came into it and you kind of went to the elites, what did, what was your plan? My plan was just to make enough money to do it next year. <laughs> just to find whoever Get survived. The first year. Yep. And uh, yeah, it didn't really matter how to do it. Right. And, I got lucky. I aligned with some companies that, that there was a lot like a, that I'm still with now and companies that I wanted to be with, right? Like I can try to hone, hone this and, and grow this relationship and make it last. But, um, yeah, but early on, dude, I was, I didn't know anything. And, and, uh, I was just literally trying to make enough to, to do it next year. So how old are you right now? Uh, 33. You weren't, did you have a girl then? You I, yep. So she, we were dating at the time. We're married now. Yep. So she went through with this. With yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. Does she hate fishing? No, she loves it, man. She, <laughs> yeah, that's a good, the thing is, I think it was easier that way. It's a lot easier if you meet and you're already fishing than if you're like, don't ever fish and like you're around all the time. And then 10 years into your relationship, you're like, Hey, I'm going to be gone every single weekend. Sometimes for weeks at a Welcome time. Welcome to my life. Yeah. Josh. Yeah. There you Welcome go. Welcome to my life. <laughs> It went from, I remember when I had my, um, when I had my, my youngest, he's four, he's going to be five. And it was my birthday, but he was born around my birthday and had a trip planned. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to go. She's like, you got to be kidding me. He was just like two days old. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of my birthday. She's like, I don't care. I'm like, all right, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like, but I was fishing like three or four days a week sometimes. Dude, fishing's dude, ruined it, a lot I of relationships. Oh, I've, I know, I know Families. five oh, of my pretty good friends that got divorced because of fishing. Gosh, man. Yeah, like I told them on the last show, I broke up with my girlfriend in high school because she wanted to go to prom and I wanted to fish the state championship. <laughs> Thank God, the girlfriend I have now, who I hope I keep around, she, has, she loves to fish. She, has she fishes with me we're, we're by the border. Sancho's taking care of her. Yeah, probably. <laughs> It's a big deal. Hopefully, Sancho has more money than me. <laughs> you learned your lesson young. Yeah. On that. Yeah. So that's cool that she's st stuck around with you and kind of watched you 
build your career so you know and it's not easy like we got two young kids and it's not easy like being out of town and stuff like that she's definitely an angel to be able to uh to do it it's not always easy but she's good and she's used to it and um she knows how it works and i think a big part of it is uh, trying to have have your girlfriend or wife as involved as possible not necessarily having to be on the road with you all the time but just trying to uh have her involved and, and you know have have some skin in the game right you know i mean recently she just started um learning how to edit videos and it's not like a huge thing but it's really helpful to me and she loves to be involved like it just a little bit she can she can help with that and um you know just be, be in the game with me amazing amazing piece of advice guys like listen to that i'm doing the same thing with the viking i call my wife the viking because she's <laughs> she's uh Nor- her mom they're norwegian okay so my wife's like a blonde blue-eyed you know like she's like five seven she's taller so i call her viking because she keeps me in line <laughs> <laughs> uh but i mean it, i think that's a big a great great piece of advice because i feel like if you involve your wife a little like we have a toy drive and she's in charge of nice. like a lot of it so she'll get all the the raffle tickets you know that everyone's toys Put them on the boat make sure everything's good and i feel like then your wife doesn't feel like i'm doing my thing get the hell out of here you know what i'm saying absolutely and how because, helpful is that for you dude god so yeah very helpful but then and, and she keeps me in line so yeah. that's always nice but so once you got onto the leads how was the first year for you because i know i mean we, we kind of heard the story but i think the stressful year from what it sounds like from everyone else is that first year making sure you can keep it going and you can keep the sponsors. Yeah, it was up and down, you know. Uh, you got this ignorance when you're that new to it where you do, you think you know everything there is to know. And actually, I had some tournaments where that helped me and then somewhere it hurt me, right? Like some, I had this blind confidence and I ended up having a good year. I made the classic. I had a couple of top tens. Um, great first year. I did everything I needed to do. But I had some crazy, you know, like, this, the year started out great. Um, I came close to winning my second tournament. I ended up finishing fourth, and I'm thinking it's great, right? Was that the one and, at and, Falcon? Yep, yep. Great, yeah. great memory, man. And then the next three tournaments I fish, I absolutely bomb. And I'm back to, like, zero dollars. I'm like, crap. You know, now I'm back to where I started, and my confidence is very rattled. And what, what Now, what do you think led to that bombing? Um, just inexperience on the – I mean, inexperience fishing – that type of format still you know i i had had some some good tournaments leading up but it it i didn't know how to br- fully utilize my practice break down a huge body of water you're going to tidal fisheries you're going to river systems you're going to giant places with different types of grass you've never seen different types of bait fish you've never seen and you just can't associate it one thing that hurt me was trying to associate it with what i knew from fishing back home it's so different you gotta do you think this is another question do you think west being a west coast fisherman kind of hurt you a little bit well i would say yeah because i didn't have experience on those types of bodies of water um a lot of people say you know if you can catch them in arizona you can catch them anywhere you know it's it's no i mean if you can catch them in arizona you can catch them in arizona and if you can catch them in louisiana you can catch them in louisiana that doesn't mean you can catch them somewhere else it doesn't mean that because they're so different um, but you know, there's a, there's a million, I did, I have bad tournaments, all kinds of bad tournaments now, you know, and I know so yeah. much more, I'm a much better fisherman than I was, but, um, dude, I had like back to back terrible tournaments, um, last month. <laughs> so, you know, like, and sometimes you can, you can, you know, why you did it. Sometimes you don't, but, um, in, I would say inexperience 
early on was a, a big reason. And then the last second half of the season went really well. But, um, you know, you're learning how to travel. You know, I'd, uh, I listened to the episode we had Am Andrew Loberg on, right? And yeah. he was talking about some of, you know, being young and learning how to travel around the country. And, um, you know, like, dude, I didn't know how to travel. You know, it's, it's you get in your truck and you drive, but you might, you don't know where to stay. You don't know how to do this, how to do that. And I mean, I had breakdowns. I had, you know, all kinds of random issues that like, just the more you do it, like you still have issues, but you have less because you plan better. You know how things, you just know how things work better, but it's rocky just going on the road for the first year and trying to figure all that out at once. So what changed in the second year where you're like, I feel good. And did a sponsor sticking with you? kind of change your mindset on having like some type of loyalty you know what i'm saying oh sure and i got i mean dude after having a good for, so the results the first year were good even though it was rocky so a lot of the sponsors that were like the first year ah him and han they latched on the second year and made it a lot easier for me there um but that year i did have kind of a sophomore slump it was my worst year i finished 67th in points and it was uh i mean i was competitive but not so good 67th so, out of how many people like 110 so it was uh that's not bad that's mid-back I, mean, I was competitive but it's i mean dude you're not gonna you're not gonna make a long living if you're finishing 67th every year right and it's so, the top 40 that make the classic exactly year, right? and that's your goal so that's the goal of the top 40 make the classic okay. and what i'm doing now make red crest top 40 in mlf so that's like every any bass fisherman out there if, if they fish all year and make their championship that's it's been a good year successful year so um but you know just learn more and more and that's the year you know where it's like hey i'm learning more and becoming a bed, better fisherman but i'm also learning that there's so much more to learn if that makes sense that i don't know near what i thought i did like after my first year i thought i was like dude i made the classic you know uh, had a had a great year i got this figured out and then after the second year it's like wow i got a lot of work to to do to figure out how to do this lot makes longer sense. i know it makes sense because the top 40 thing makes sense so, so you're getting you, to keep those sponsors pretty much you got to make that top 40 right you know that that classic or red crest yeah, yeah, is a yeah. huge event okay. because it, and it gets more exposure than any other it's like the super bowl in football like so many more people watch the football or the super bowl no different the more people watch the classic than a regular season event more people watch red crest than a regular season so huge opportunity for exposure for your sponsors and if you're not fishing it they're not getting that exposure yep that's the hardest part when you're saying it's, i mean it's it's it sounds so stressful to me it's like fun. you know what i'm saying yeah i'm sure it's it's a super it's a lot of fun it's your what you've wanted to do but to make sure you know like you're fishing that tournament and you're going man if i, I gotta make this, this is sponsored they want to see this there's know? a lot of pressure dude yeah i mean there really is and at first the pressure was like feed my you know put food on the table yeah, and, and now i'm like not like desperate to get a check to go put gas in my boat but i'm desperate to do well because there's other people that want your job dude and uh and that never goes away who's your longest sponsor you've been with uh berkeley abu garcia uh had them uh since i started bass pro nitro smoky mountain is another one but um yeah, pretty pretty lucky to have some of those big companies for, for when so did, long. So when did they jump on with you? Like, so when did you feel like uh, established? How about that? You know, after that first year, it was where a lot of that those relationships started. So we're going on ten years now. That's a long time, dude. It is. Right? 
That is a long time. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> even been fishing tournaments that long, it seems like. <laughs> it's crazy. So, I, dude, and I, you know, I'm still relatively young in the grand scheme. Like, some of the guys that are out there that are in their 50s think about add 20 years to what I'm doing, and they've done it. Like, it's just crazy the you stories know what's crazy that those to guys think have. You know too is 50s. Like, how many pro 50-year-olds can you find? In other sports, you're saying no, nothing, none, dude. Nothing. Yeah. Maybe yeah. golf. Maybe golf. And even then, they're washed up, dude. Like, you don't see 50-year-olds winning majors in golf. You don't. Like, so that's Who's the oldest dude you knew on tour? Well, Rick Klun is in his 70s. Yeah. On, uh, on the Bass Pro Tour, you got, like, Shaw, Paul Elias. Um, trying to think who else is really experienced. Gary Klein's getting up there, but I don't think he's quite as old as those two. But, yeah, I mean, you don't see that, dude. It's pretty – it's it's good and it's bad. Those are know? guys like our parents watched on yeah. growing up. Seriously. <laughs> Some of those and you look at all the yeah, you're right, dude. Um like they've been around for a long time. They're, yes, they, they totally have, man. Uh, they've seen so much. But like some of the guys do it because they love it. And then fishing's also a sport where, you know, the guys don't make the kind of money that other sports do. So there's some older guys in, in whatever the random leagues are that professional leagues that are doing it because they still have to. There's some salty old dudes that are like Dude, you know, they don't want to get up at 5 a.m. and go fish in the rain all day, but they didn't, you know, they fished all their life and they didn't put money in. They don't have a retirement. Yeah, no, like, dude. Yeah. They don't have a, their company. They didn't work for a company. They had a 401k. And stuff, so they're. How about, how big is that? Do you have anyone in the industry that will reach out to you and be like, hey, man, uh, does does the, the, the circuit do that or anything? Go like investment, investing, retirement, stuff like that? Great question. So. As of right now, not really. You're kind of on your own. Mm-hmm. And, and the best thing is to, to talk to other guys that have been through it and, and done it and, and know what to do. But, um, you know, ultimately, that's something that we'd like to have. You know, with there's, a, there's an Anglers Association, MLFAA, Anglers Association. And AA? the goal of the MLFAA, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get rid of those beers. <laughs> Um, the goal of that is to ultimately have that, right? Like they're doing some things like, uh, health insurance right now, health insurance benefits, stuff like that. And, uh, the, the idea is to have something like that for fishermen, but it's, it's still early in the works. We've only been at it for a couple of years, but hopefully one day, but as of right now, dude, you better be smart with your money and, and be looking at some other, other ways to invest it or save it or other ways to make it just in case you never know. Are there guys that actually have like jobs aside from that? There's you know on the i would say on the elite series and the bass pro tour i would say probably 90 percent of them it's their full-time gig yeah. it's all they do um there's some guys that have other companies that you know there's a lot of guys that actually made money in fishing mm-hmm. and started other companies and um our fishing that's our really fishing well. lure company a lot right? of that tons of that man yep tons of that but um it'd be nice to be a little bit diversified that's for that's for sure you know not just 100 percent relying on fishing. have another source of income sure yeah. i mean it's great yes. to even have a fishing company <laughs> i'd love to have something outside of fishing you know but not endemic like when when you talk about that and that's one sponsor you always want it's not in fishing that's what i heard yeah because then that way it's something different uh they usually pay more from what i've heard sure you know what i'm saying yep right yep there's there's a lot of opportunity there the companies that are in the fishing industry their budget is split up amongst a bunch of fishermen or dudes you know and and other things too other uh ways of marketing but yeah the non-endemic companies um a lot of times and what you hear too is like maybe more money but 
it might not last as long. And I've had good luck there, dude, where the, the ones I've had have lasted a long time. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to, to go look. It's a great place to go look for sponsorship. And that's, again, relationships. If you're listening to this and you're looking at getting a sponsor that's outside the fishing industry, think outside the box with that a little bit. Look at, you know, when you pitch to them, make sure you're pitching all the obvious things that we talked about, the live coverage, the branding, stuff like that, social media. But also, you know, um, your time is really valuable. And like, I've got some companies where I, I do, I take customers fishing. I take, uh, you know, customers of my sponsor, you know, their, their buyers, um, stuff like that, that high, high performing employees, stuff like that. And, uh, if you can offer a handful of those a year, that could be a really big deal to that company. You just try to be involved with the company. Exactly. Some, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. It, Listen staying to in touch. You got a lot of notes know, to take, I'm, dude. Turn up my volume on this. He already knows all this <laughs> stuff. He already knows all this stuff. I need to hear more snare. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's something that you've taken away from? So I love the separation from West Coast because everything's pretty much on the East Coast or, or you know, Mideast, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what is something that, you know, you guys are the West Coast fishermen and I don't feel like you guys get the, the uh, coverage as the, the guys that are, you know, on the East Coast. Even the guys that aren't um, huge. You know, like the, the the smaller guys back here don't even get the same coverage. So what do you think uh, is missing on that? Is it because we have crappy lakes over here? They're not as big as them? Definitely not what is that. It? It's I think it's the culture. You know, I mean, the the, the fishing culture is big. And, and, dude, your audience for this podcast is proof that there is a big fishing culture. But the percentage of the population that is into fishing, I would say, is much lower than it is in parts of the southeast. Do you guys agree? I would 100% agree on that. I mean, our lakes are great. You know, the reason, there's all kinds of reasons on why, like, some of those bigger tours don't come out here. And that's part of the problem, too, is, like, if dude, if there was an elite series and an MLF constantly coming to our great lakes out here, I think the culture would grow. But there's a lot of reasons why they haven't. And it's not, you know, none, none of the anglers' faults. And not the, I don't blame the leagues for not coming out here. Because it's just it's a bad business decision to do it. Even though I would love to be able to fish tournaments on our home lakes, you know what I mean? It's going to cost more to come out here, and probably less people are going to be interested in it, right? I hate to say that. Well, it's like drive down a street in Texas. There's like ten boats, and everybody like everybody fishes. Everyone's garage has a bass. Everybody boat in fishes. Totally they right. watch NASCAR. They're all rednecks, you know. Out here, it's completely <laughs> different. I feel. I get asked all the time if I race at the gas station out here you know they go do you race i'm like no dude i'm a fisherman you know <laughs> I, but the, it looks like a racing because you got it wrapped you yeah, know and yeah. back east they're like oh yeah y'all fishing the tournament at watts bar on saturday you know mm -hmm. they know exactly what's going on man even people that aren't even involved exactly yeah it's, it's very different for sure that's the hard part i feel like the coverage isn't here on the on the west coast i've always asked can even in california can anything support that southern california no the lakes aren't big enough and i've heard that a million times like lakes aren't big enough norcal you got the delta could you know but i mean it there's a there's a it's it's crazy to see a lot of people pick up like loberg dutra move move back east because that's what you have to do you know litter I yeah everyone a, a ton of people and before them there was a wave of guys that did it and hey i mean i i do this i i don't I love living out west, and I love the lifestyle. I love the lakes, man. I mean, I know Southern Cal doesn't have a bunch of giant lakes, but they're they're good smaller lakes. Uh, but in Arizona, I love the lakes out here. 
we got a lot of roots planted out here and I'm going to stay as long as I possibly can. But you can't blame the guys that want to do that for going just because it's a lot easier path, you know, and then, you know, it's, it's just a lot easier path to make it. They and never, what's the there. farthest out West they get ever. I mean, really, 2015 was last year. They had like national tournaments out West. And since then I would say Texas. Yeah. Dude, that's not even, that's like halfway mid. across the country. Yeah, yeah. Really? Like it's 24 hours away from California. Exactly. Well, like, you know, do you see the things on YouTube, like the FLW classics? Oh yeah. And like, they have like Brett Height won the one on the Delta and all that stuff. They're going to the Columbia river, the Delta Havasu. Like it, it happened at one time. Yep. Yep. You know? They had a whole opens division out Western opens division. Bassmaster did back in the day, but um, so Kelly, if, if you ever listen to Kelly Pupo, they call him past Jesus. <laughs> nice. He, uh, he, 91, they had a tournament series. It was like Dobbins and a ton of people. And we put the video up, you see it on YouTube, and he fished it like a lot. He's like 67, 64. Kelly, he's he's, he's an older dude, but uh, he's still fishing ABA stuff. Stick. Great. But he, he talks about they had a series. I forgot. It was like a, their version of but the West Coast series, and they had like the whole thing laid out like so – they they would pull the boats through the town. Uh, they'd have the live the live was going, pulling the fish out, taking pictures. So they had some stuff going on, and it was in Sacramento. It was on the Delta That's up cool. there, but it was really cool to see something on the West Coast. You know? Yeah, and the the fans and the fishermen out here are like hungry for it, right? Like it, it's these people are desperate for it. Every time the new schedules come out for the leagues, you always see in the comments, you know shafted the west again oh you know every single time and i get it and it stinks but uh i do understand from the business side but man i mean hey you never know gas prices have to come down a lot though before it's even in, now it's not even in the conversation dude unfortunately like it was in the conversation now it's not even in the conversation you know too stinks. far to drive out here yeah know? they're going to accommodate the nine or ten guys that are still out here to have hey. everybody else come here exactly you know? and not just for the anglers the anglers complain but the leagues have like a lot of the leagues are sending 20 30 40 employees bunch of boats bunch of trucks lots of equipment i mean it's going to cost an extra 50 grand to have a tournament here whereas they could do it somewhere on their side of the country yeah in that section of the country yeah which is crazy you haven't had you you so how do you go about preparing for all these tournaments you know what i'm saying since you got to fish not your local area are you taking like a certain time of the year? Is it like six months out of the year you're going back east? It's tons of research. You know, I, I can't do that, especially now with kids. You know, like I've got a, you're already traveling half the year to fish. So the other half of the year, I got to try to be home as much as I can. But um, typically we get two days of practice, which is not a lot on a big body of water. It, it goes really quick. So you do as much research as you can, you know, and now i'm getting to the point where i've been to a lot of the lakes you know i've probably fished 100 tournaments back east so i've seen a lot of the lakes so at least i've got a reference of what a lake looks like what it's got to offer but doing a lot of research a lot of planning you know every single place you go your tackle's different so there's a lot of time put into that which is the fun part i mean that's what you like to do right but google earth is a huge deal you know google earth you're spending a lot of time on that if it's a tournament the one time i will go to pre-practice you know go out ahead just like you're saying you know maybe a couple months before the tournament and get on the water is if i know it's going to be a deep deep dominated tournament and it's that stuff you can't see on google earth that mm -hmm. stuff you got to put your boat in the water and, and drive around idle around and mark stuff locate stuff so that's where i'll put some extra time in like uh 
our last tournaments up in Minnesota this year at Lake Mille Lacs. And I've been there uh, once before. It's awesome lake, but it's a huge lake. And I'm going to go up there on my way to the next tournament at Cayuga in New York and, and put it like three days in idling and just try to try to find as many as mark as much as i possibly can i'm not going to go back and fish it all but at least i'm going to have stuff marked that i can go to um and i, I know what lake's got to offer but like you see like a if, if you're going to a tournament and you think hey this thing's going to be one-off brush piles if you can go out and idle and, and mark 500 brush piles over the course of a couple of days in pre-practice that stuff you don't have to do when you actually when you show up for the two days of official practice all you got to do is fish them now right you don't have to find them and then fish them so instead of having 50 and that was so our last tournament at watts bar is a perfect example of that i didn't get to go in advance and the first morning practice it's pretty clear that that's going to be a factor so i idle all day the first day and mark brush piles and a big chunk of the second day and i found like 50. well jacob wheeler had gone and he lives in Tennessee, so it was easier for him. He already lives back there. He had gone before off limits and spent several days idling around. He marks 500 of them. And uh, I end up 22nd out of 80, and he ends up second out of 80. <laughs> um, and, and a big factor there it was just the work that he put in, right? So that's the hard part is if you moved out there, you could probably put that work in. Yeah, I know, man. It's that balance. And uh, <laughs> not to say, dude, I mean, I might – move back there and finish exactly where I finished up to this true, point every true, true. but odds are it would probably it would probably be beneficial to my results but like yeah you got to give up this lifestyle you know to, to do that right and all my family you start having kids and you know they love getting to see their grandparents and stuff like that it makes it even harder to uh to pull the plug you know all right and your wife's like nope yeah I mean <laughs> yeah I hear that so what do you uh, suggest for a uh, a newer angler that's kind of going out that way like you know when you're you're prepping for stuff like this just google earth and youtube or what what do you yeah. suggest you know like say you haven't been there so first thing is and this is bass fishing 101 but you gotta look at what time of year is it going to be because that's going to put you at least in a state of mind you know if you're going to somewhere in april and you know the water temp's going to be in the 60s you know it's going to be spawn related if you're going somewhere in the middle of summer or say may you know it's going to be post spawn related if it's if it's uh june july it's going to be summer so you know right away and you you can't guess it perfectly but you know i'm looking in the backs of stuff i'm looking on the outside of stuff i'm looking main whatever it is so that's the first thing but other than that you know um you're you're trying to think okay these are going to be some of the the more predominant techniques let me get make sure my tackle set up this way and then um looking at topo maps, you know, trying to find sec, you know, stuff that looks good to you, looking at Google Earth, trying to find stuff that's good to you, and then as much reading and, and, and watching as possible. You know, like you might, you might read 20 tournament articles on a body of water, and you hear the name of a certain couple creeks being mentioned over and over and over again. That doesn't mean you have to go fish there, but those creeks have a population of fish, and they play pretty often, and those are, might be a good place to start, right? Um, but everyone has has their own style you know some guys like to go out and see an entire lake in their practice and and fish really fast and then try to pick whatever part of the lake they like best and, and learn through the tournament dial it in through the tournament some guys like to pick a small part of the lake and learn it really intimately 
and know how to there might be less fish here but i'm going to catch every single fish that lives here so everyone's got a different style i'm kind of in between and i kind of do both uh, you know I, I might do one one week and the other the next week but uh you got to kind of also look at what type of fisherman you are and um and, and try to do what's gonna what's gonna work for you the article thing's a big deal because i mean i've heard that three times i heard that from maddie wong when he said you read an article nice. when yep. he went back east and like that was a that played a big deal for him Sure. Learning that, you know what I'm saying? So, like, people probably don't go back and read those old articles. You gotta, there might be some gold in those, you know what I'm saying? That's it. And you got to learn how to sift through a lot of stuff, too. And also, at the end of the day, it's all about you and your instincts and what you see yourself. You can't completely be attached to what you read. But if you can learn how to read it all, take it all in, I mean, dude, there is endless the amount of stuff you can learn from the Internet. You could look at old photo galleries from uh tournaments that happened 15 years ago and learn from that yeah. and glean it, you know it just depends on how much time you have and, and the ability to filter but it the more the more you can take in the better man i mean it's uh you know i might be doing tackle or something and i might have an old live a tournament you know live coverage playing in the background and again you're not looking to hear oh he caught him on this spot this is where i need to go because that never happens two years in a row right i mean dude if someone wins a tournament on the spot <laughs> it's burnt right yeah mm -hmm. but you might hear them say just one thing, you know, yeah, man, you, you know, I've, I've really struggled catching them in the mornings, but you know, seems like these fish a lot of times later in the day, once that sun comes out a little bit more, they bury down in the grass and it's a little easier to catch them. And that's just something that might stick with you. And, and you know, every little thing like that, the more you can, you can take in the, the better off you are. And some people will say, will tell you, Hey, I'm better off not doing any of that. I show up and figure it out. I'm more of a guy that the more, you know knowledge that you can take Hell in the better yeah, man. dude yeah i'm not like a i'm not a real savant when it comes to finding to just being a natural fisherman like a jordan lee is a natural fisherman he goes out and just that feels right over there you know i'm more i'm not super analytical but i need a little bit more to start putting the pieces together makes sense makes sense how do you feel about that you feel the same way you do the same uh, thing absolutely like he was saying on facebook like I'm going to Pickwick in November, I'm probably on like eight or nine different Lake Pickwick fishing groups nice, on Facebook that's, now. That's awesome. 99% of it's like guys catching catfish and drums, but you know, I see stuff on there sometimes, you know. But you might see something in the background that where you're, you're seeing something like, yeah. ooh, I like how that looks. And maybe there might be fish piled up on there. Yeah, and I've, like, I've watched, like you said, all the old, you know, the FLW classics and they have BFLs and stuff on Pickwick. I've watched all of those like, that's all I do when I get off work, you know. I'll yep. sit on the, I'll sit in my garage and work on the tackle and. He might. Off and you might see a trend, and I'm not saying this is what's happening because I have no idea. But he might see a trend where, a lot, like ten years ago, a lot of the tournaments were, you know, 99% largemouth were being caught, and then just over time, he's noticing a lot of the stuff I've seen recently. Man, half the fish these guys are catching are smallies, you know, and, uh, it, you know, he might go and and. and approach approach it more for smallmouth than than he would have just just going off of something that he heard from back in the day right yeah absolutely you know like what's what was the tournament they had was it at pickwick where that guy was floating down and hit his boat on the rocks oh gosh dude that was uh -huh. alabama river but it was a tail race yeah. just like fishing up at the top of pickwick yeah I, I see stuff like that what was last year when oh. Steve Kennedy was throwing the spinnerbait and he broke that big oh my gosh off. you're right that was yeah. pickwick i was, was thinking 10 years ago yep yep yeah so I seen that, and it's like you said, the tail races. That's every time I talk about anything Pickwick or talk to anybody or look what's at anything. The, what's the tail races? 
It's like uh, the dam. Is it Lake Wilson? Is it Lake Wilson that's above it? Yep, yep. It's all the water that comes out of Lake Wilson, and it flows into Pickwick. Okay. And it just, it's like, dude, you got to see the videos. The current that comes out of that is Lots of current coming out of the dam, you know, and that's just, it's colder water because it's coming from the next lake above. It's coming from the bottom of the lake, right? So, um yeah, yeah, but I mean, dude, it's the the more you can the more you can do that stuff, the better. But you can't you can't just because someone told you something, you got to go see it for yourself, yes. right? Yeah, and, yeah uh, right. And that's hey, it's burned me before too, plenty of times. It's like, <laughs> hey, it was one doing this last year, I, I, and you push it too hard, and you don't, you know, a you lot of times your instincts are you right. You can't catch someone else's fish. Exactly. Yep. I agree hundred percent. I got a pee, so you're gonna hold this down for a second. Cool. Do it again. Yeah. So, what <laughs> month are you going over to Pickwick in November? November. Yeah, I'm gonna leave like the first. That's cool. So, hopefully, I get uh, probably four or five days of practice in. Have there been some events that, that there's been some events? They just in had the, the fall, right? Uh, last year they had the EverStart Series Championship, or the not the EverStarts, the Toyota Series Championship was on Pickwick. Nice. Yeah. So, I, it's dude. There's not a lot of coverage on that lake in. That November. time of year. Yeah, if it was in June, it'd be a different deal. But, yeah, I mean, that's – it's interesting how the whole Tennessee River is, like, it's so different. And, and I guess our chains of lakes out west are no different, right? Like, it's you look at the Colorado River chain, yeah. and uh, Mead is so different than Mojave that's so different from Havasu that's so different from fishing down here in Yuma. Absolutely And is. that deals the same way. Like, you know, Pickwick's right next to Kentucky Lake now, and God, dude, those lakes couldn't be more different. The carp is is part of a reason for that. Do you know if the carp have gotten into Pickwick? I don't. I haven't read too much into that. I know on one of the redneck fishing pages I'm on down there, they do like bow fishing tournaments all the time. So hmm. I don't know if that's what they're shooting, but I heard that the Asian carp or whatever it are killed Kentucky Lake. Yeah. Like it's done. It went from being like a top five lake in the whole country to like, dude, it's insane now. Like I. I went in 2018 and mm-hmm. you would get scared because you'd be idling in a creek and to be nice and calm and they would just go nuts and they would literally just come shooting out of the water and they're so big and they're slamming into the side of the boat <laughs> and dude it's unbelievable <laughs> and they eat they eat everything inside like not they're they're eating all the food that the bait fish would eat and then the bait fish don't have any food so it's a sad scenario but it it, it destroyed that lake and it's a ma- the carp yeah the, oh, the the asian carp yep have you heard about that no no yeah it's it, not crazy huh? the, the jumping carp that you see like yeah. clips of you know you've seen the, the that's clips. why everyone's fucking killing them yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, i mean they're a bad deal but like kentucky lake top five lake in the country they got in there eight years ago seven years ago and they destroyed the lake and apparently they're commercial fishing for them a lot it's it's taken a, a have good you ate hit. Them before no, no, I, I, don't, I think they make like dog food or something out of them, dude. I don't think they're feeding them to yeah. people. I got a question for you. Since you, you fish uh, Canyon, all those lakes up yeah. that way. Yeah. Algae bloom. How bad has that? Have, you must have seen it for a while. And yeah. you've guided for, you've been guided yeah. for a while. Um, we talked to the guys from Big Fish Bullies and they kind of talked about a little bit that a group that was yeah. trying to help. Uh, how, what's going on? What have you seen over the years? Stuff yeah, like that. good question. And that's my backyard. And I'm not a biologist, so I can't speak about it like someone from Game and Fish would. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I can tell you from a fisherman's experience, it's been uh, those lakes are crazy because they have crazy, the fish have crazy genetics. It's a great, like, when it's good, it's as good for big, big fish quick, as right? you'll ever, yeah. dude, I've fished everywhere like and they're as here. good as anywhere right. else. It's crazy. But, and they grow so fast, but the algae are real, it's been like a real issue for like, since I started fishing these lakes back in the day, um, 
Well, what's crazy, and, and this is just, again, a redneck fisherman's bro science perspective, dude, <laughs> but I think the fish are learning how to deal with it, which, like, when that algae had hit years past, it would just wipe the lake out. I mean, the first time it ever hit in, like, 04, dude, it wiped, maybe oh, maybe 04, it wiped the lake out, killed everything. 99% of the life in the lake was dead. Um, the last couple times it's hit, when the algae hits, the fishing goes from really good to just dead, completely dead. Um, but when they start moving water out of Roosevelt, the top lake in the chain, and they pull it through all the lakes, it flushes all that algae out, and lo and behold, the fish show back up. And wow, it's it's all, good. yeah, I mean, it's like, again, my redneck perspective is like those fish, that algae happens and they just go down deep, get out of the algae, even if it's the spawn, like, because it hits, what happens is the algae comes when it when it warms up, which happens to be dang near right in the middle of the spawn. Yeah, yeah. So those fish, full of eggs, whatever, they just go down deep and get out of the algae. And then uh, when the algae goes away, they come right back up and spawn. So they're great, dude. I mean, their lakes are fine right now. They're fishing as, as good as, uh, as you could ask for. They're not great numbers. Lakes where you're going to go out and catch 30 fish in a day, they can be challenging for sure but they're, they're fine. So that's, I mean, dude, I'm really thankful for that. That's good to hear because I was hearing a lot of like, I, we heard the, over the years, of the like two or three of them that just really killed the lake bad. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's like Apache. Apache. That's which like is, devastating. Cause that lake was amazing. Yeah. Had you fished there quite a bit uh, or a few only times? Like four or five times. That's it good. It was freaking awesome when I fished it. What's cool about that lake is it's got a 50 50 small mouth large mouth mix which is just awesome when you have that dude it's so much fun to you'd literally like you'd start the day and be like hey let's go crank up some smallies and you'd go crank chunk rock and catch a, a dozen deep good smallies two to four pound smallies um and then be like okay let's slow it down and, and go large mouth fishing and, and try to catch a couple of big large mouth it was just like and, and there's places where they mix but a lot of our lakes out west it's one or the other yeah. you know you don't get to do both do you remember that one it was like two or three years ago when clifford perch was just dominating people on apache he had one day he had a uh, 38 pounds yeah oh my god yeah really? it was crazy man yeah yeah Gosh, but that dude. lake got the got the bloom and stuff but and so dude i'm just being a hopeful fisherman i'm hoping the fish are learning how to cope with that algae which i could be thinking way out of line here it could just be a weird coincidence that but the algae was there this year and it killed a lot of bait fish and stuff like that but there's now that it's gone again the lake's fine so have you ever noticed it in Roosevelt at all? Like, why does it only hit Apache Canyon really and not Rosie? I don't know. It's it's really weird there, and thankfully the water can't get up. It can't go up from Apache up to Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, Roosevelt had a kill a long time ago, maybe like 15 years ago, and a lot of people blamed fire retardant for that. You know, they, uh, they have a lot of forest fires up yeah. there, and they drop the, the stuff out of the plane. Okay. Exactly, the drainage, and, and uh, that lake went from, like, a lake where you could constantly catch 30 40 50 fish a day to like a good day it was like a dozen now it's back but a lot of people said there was that kill but i, I don't think i don't think there's any algae and ever has been in roosevelt which is good that is good yeah seriously that lake is fun it's kind of it's it's one of my favorites for sure yeah so let's talk about some techniques um your go-to's what is your what is your confidence what do you do when you go to a lake, the first thing you do when you go to a lake, what are you going to throw? Dude, 
when I, I'm going to throw whatever I think is going to work on that lake in that day. <laughs> Seriously. Don't say a drop shot. Yeah. Well, yeah, this, what is, this is a power fisherman. Shot, oh, I'm going to tell you, I won, dude, I, <laughs> half the, the money Lakes, I won on a drop shot. You know, I mean, I won more on a drop shot than anything by far because it's such a lethal way to get bit. Yeah. But, um, dude, whatever, it's, whatever, you know, I think is going to work on that lake. There's things I like doing better and things I look to do. But, um, you know, yeah, it's a whatever i love to deep crank i i do love to drop shot because you can catch i love to catch fish so mm-hmm. you can catch so many fish doing it but i like throwing a frog i love flipping you know flipping is uh what do you think you do majority of the time there's nothing you do majority i of the don't time? think so man okay. you know i mean it's it's funny i got rod the the cycle of rods that are in and out of my boat is endless dude as far as you know what but and there's things i'm better at than others of course but you got to dude if you want to be able to make a living traveling around catching fish you got to be at least good at everything you know you have to and if you if you're not you gotta you gotta get there for sure there's i have plenty of weaknesses you know i always i always talk about how i hate fishing boat docks hate fishing boat docks <laughs> i'm with you we don't have a lot of boat docks out here so it's been something like in this year we've had every lake we've been to is just chock full of docks man so you gotta you gotta be able to do it but um what did you learn that made it easier for you you just do it right i mean you do it and there's a lot of one thing that's helped me a lot and uh, i know live scope some people love it some people don't love it but um using live scope has really helped me a lot on fishing docks because you can you can pull up to a dock and look at it on live scope before you start fishing it <laughs> heck yeah we got more goods coming i guess in. you guys are gonna be around for billies <laughs> yeah, um, yeah i don't think so <laughs> he's got a fish tomorrow man yeah but dude live scope is sick for dock fishing because you can pull up to the dock and if it's not a dirt shallow dock if it's five or ten feet deep you can shine that live scope under it and see if there's any fish under it and and if there's a bunch of fish under it you just fish it until they bite you know in a lot of cases and if, if there's no fish you move on to the next one instead what i i hate slowly methodically fishing for one fish at a time and yeah i like I like easy fish to catch and I like it when there's a lot of them in one spot. Right. And, uh, if it's, if you got to fish a hundred dock so posts to get that, one bite. You love that, that, um, live scope just cuts down the whole game. Yeah. Okay. It, it just makes you so efficient. Out of it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you could, at our last tournament, I was fishing a lot of docks and you know, you'd know when, when this dock is worth spending some time on. And then this one, let's just not even cast to this one. What's your favorite thing to flip on a dock? Um, just like a, I, I like a jig, like a three ounce compact jig with a, uh, with a Berkeley chigger crawl on the back of it. That's a really good, tough to beat way to catch them. I would say if I, if I got a, a real weakness in fishing, it's swim bait fishing, which is hilarious, dude, because I'm a Western fisherman and everyone back East <laughs> thinks I know strong, about swim bro. bait fishing. Yeah, exactly. But it's definitely not my strength at all, especially glide baits. I've caught less than, less than five fish in my whole life on glide baits. Really? Yep. Yep. Berkeley has one of my favorite baits that I ever, ever use. It's called the Jerk Shad. Okay. Saltwater calico. It's like crack. That's it. That's what all What color do you like? Uh, I like the uh, new penny electric is a chicken. And then, Bright but colors. they have, but they have one that you can go only get in Australia. It's the seven inch. Can't get them here. How do you get them? Got to go order from Australia. It takes like three weeks. So you have like an Australian website? No, you can, yeah, you can go <laughs> order them. Dude, yeah, yeah. for calico. This is like calico bass as well. Yeah. Fish. It's like the bait. Is it because it's, well, the bright colors are really big. Uh, they're deal? bigger too. They're a bigger fluke, but I've tried to find that fucking scent. 
it's not in the Max clue. scent. So the well, that's scent, just power bait. No, on this it's one. the scent that's in the jerk shad thing. It's horrible smelling. But you think you could buy the flukes that are in the whole pack? It's not the same scent. It's only in the pack of bags. Hmm. So you dump baits in there, but the problem is the, the flukes are made differently. I don't know what they're made out of. So they're not made of the same plastic, but the scent is the worst smelling thing, but it works so it's awesome. good, dude. It is the best, dude. That's cool to hear. It, it, I know it's a big deal in saltwater. I'm, I'm oh, no biologist. Gosh. I don't know why, but whatever they do to figure out what fish like scent-wise, it's, it's And the, the sled head works. Sled head I love so much. The sled head? Yeah, the owner's sled head. Do you ever use that? No. It's my it, owner. So for that bait... It's a it's a, like a little uh, EWG hook, and it has like a three quarter ounce or a half ounce head, and uh, it has a little screw lock. So you kind of weed the the jerk shot in there, turn it on the sled head, flip it on stuff, everything. So when we do when we fish calico, we're fishing like break walls. There's like a federal break wall, it's eight miles long, uh, kelp stringers, beach boilers, same same stuff you guys are doing, yep. just for bigger. Just in a bigger yeah, scope. Yeah, bigger, uh, like A-rigs, everything. Jerk baits, crank baits, everything. Just on a bigger, you know, heavier line. Are guys into live scoping out there? They're just, I have a friend that's done it. Because he's a, he does, uh, he does, he fishes to a lot of freshwater, but he kind of bring it into the salt. And he's like, wow, I've seen some stuff with it. Because he's like, he said the live scope was, was made for, uh, is it tarpon originally? Oh, I tarpon don't know about that, man. It was made for like something on the flats where they could, you got to be far away okay. to, to cast to the fish. And he Bone said it was kind of made for that. So maybe redfish. I don't know what it was yeah. for, but it was made for the salt. Yeah. Originally. I know boats had that technology in salt water a long time ago. Like like the big, way big offshore boats were yes. shooting out a half mile. And they would see a tuna or a marlin or something. Yes. You know, 800 yards away or, or whatever. I don't know, dude. Huh. 300 yards away or something like that. But now they've kind of obviously Garmin's put it into a more Condensed compact it. deal yeah, for bass. Yeah. yeah affordable too because like those would be like 10 or twenty thousand dollars money yeah, bags over here my bad dude <laughs> comparatively these were like twenty thousand dollar transducers yeah, yeah. back in the day yeah. you know do you have live scope no you wish you do huh i just if i didn't know how deep it is i just take he just fish it shallow stick, take my flipping stick just stick it down there if i hit the mud and i know i'm there it's a good if you're gonna fish one way or the other that's the way to do it that's a yeah. good approach yeah what did you how long did it take you to figure out live scope for me, um, it took, uh, you know, you get better and better at it over time, you know, so it's one of those things that when it first came out, it was helping me catch some fish, but it didn't really maximize it. There was a lot of like situations where I never really thought LiveScope would help me. So you, and over time it was like, no, LiveScope can help me when I'm fishing like that or like that and like that. Like it helps you almost all the time, yeah. you know, unless you're fishing really shallow. But um, dude, as far as like, being really efficient at making a cast, seeing your bait really well, landing it on fish and stuff. It took me a year, year or so to get get pretty good at doing that. I would yeah, say because I feel like people get stuck, and we talked about it on the last episode. They get stuck looking at the screen sometimes. You yep, know? absolutely. You got to know when to, to pause that thing and just focus <laughs> tool, on tool. what you're seeing. Exactly. Yeah, go right. back to actually just fishing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, got to be able to do both. You can't like, you, if you want to be able to like be consistent. Countrywide, you got to be able to do both. You got to be able to turn it off at the right time and then turn it back on at the right time and go use it. I agree. Let's talk about your podcast. Cool, man. Heck yeah. yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah, dude. Hey, thanks for the plug, man. It, uh, <laughs> it's it's cool. Um, 
because it's really laid back a lot like this and i'd love to have you on sometime no, dude, and learn be, more I'd, about i'd be great i'd love to come on dude learn more about like your saltwater fishing background and stuff like mm -hmm. that but a lot of times what we do is uh you know it's myself and two of my best buds rob and nick rob is a super experienced tournament fisherman and guides now nick has fished a lot but not to the same extent that rob and i have and, and nick's the comedian of the podcast very laid back adds a lot of humor rob and i are like pretty serious you know a little bit dry and Nick just adds all the flavor we of need course, to make Nick's it. Nick's always add the flavor. Exactly. Yep. That's our Nick, man. It's it's our version of you, dude, on our podcast. So uh, we were joking about it. Rob and I were talking about that today. He's like, we got our Nick, and, and he's, he's his Nick. So, um, but yeah, it's just like a, it's usually about an hour long, and uh, it's this type of stuff you would talk about after uh, after you get off the water. So we do we we get a lot of guests. You know, I'd say about every other episode we get a guest um maybe might be another tournament fisherman might just be a, a random fisherman but um talk about whatever you know it's really kind of pretty laid back and um when did you guys start doing it we did it about two years ago we started and um we really just started to do it to to have an excuse to go bs with each other once a week you know like your buddies you lose touch with your buddies right oh, of course and everyone's busy and that was like forcing us every week to catch up on the crazy stories that happened to us that week and also talk about fishing man so it's been pretty cool for that and uh it's we have made a lot of new friends by getting guests on like if you had guests on that you became buddies with and and uh, stayed in touch with i'm sure you have a bunch oh yeah i have a ton of guys that i became really good friends with and it's cool to have those guys on so you get a different you get a different episode like each time yes because you become better friends with those guys so it's like oh you know i call everyone a dickhead that's a dickhead's here you know like or something that's like good. that you Heck know yeah. like and you find that little thing and that's that's fun and it's cool to hear other people's platforms that's exactly. why i kind of want to plug it i'm like there's there's so many different platforms for youtube instagram uh you know podcasts everything it's so cool to hear different people's perspectives on fishing or whatever it might be you know I'm blown away, dude. And I told you before, but like it's it is cool to hear everyone's different deal because the cool thing about podcasting is it could be whatever you want. It's no different than YouTube. I mean, it could be there's a million different podcasts about a million different things, and we're all talking about fishing, but we're talking about totally different things. You know, or even different so things different. about fishing, like yeah. stories or technique or whatever it might be. You know, exactly. Yeah. So it is pretty cool. And, and there's you know, I love listening to podcasts, man. I mean, I'm on the road so much. You know, I've listened to a ton of your episodes. Um, and to be honest, yours is kind of refreshing because I get so much bass fishing in my everyday life that I need a break from it, right? And like, I don't listen to a ton of bass fishing podcasts. It's usually totally unrelated stuff. And I like yours because there's a lot, there's there's bass fishing, but there's a lot of just other everyday stuff and other yeah, types of fishing about too, all man. all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. I get comedians on that are on Mad TV. I get all kinds of people that are, you know, Heck yeah. but it's cool because it all connects like some like Ivan from Jungle Boys, he owns like one of the biggest weed dispensaries, and he has a huge tuna boat that he goes out on. It's kind of crazy. You it's, know? it's cool how fishing is like a pretty universal language that, um, you know, someone that you never even would have met in other, or been able to have a conversation with, like it'd be, you can talk about fishing for hours, right? Or you can see pictures of the rock holding 11 pounder. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, when are you having him on? 11. 11. Did you see that fucking thing? I <laughs> yeah. was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. That is not 11 pounds, It's like a dude. five and a half, six. <laughs> I was going to say a six, yeah. yeah. And you look, at, you look at the comments and you're like, oh, man, you're going to get roasted. Were people yeah. calling him out saying oh, it was? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. 
that's hilarious dude but it's it's really cool having you on uh let's plug all your sponsors dude. yeah thanks well you know dude rather than me list them off and tell everyone uh and and miss one out just uh, if you can just follow me on uh facebook instagram at josh bertrand fishing i did start a youtube channel pretty recently i've only got a handful of videos but a couple good ones the last one i i caught an eight pounder and a six pounder and uh nice. you know it's pretty in-depth on what uh teaching how to flip reeds and toolies and stuff like that so um yeah, that was that's something you can you can see all my sponsors there. But dude, it's been awesome to come on and uh, man, plug the podcast as well. Where you yeah, anglers anglers happy hour. It's any podcast platform. I'm not like it's not on YouTube, and that's been a, a big thing. Like it's you put so much work into this. Like it, people <laughs> probably don't have any idea how much work you put into this because that's what's held us back. And, and we've it's, got a great a listener base of loyal listeners, but it's kept us from getting anywhere close to where you're at because like. It's just so much work, dude, mm-hmm. and it's so much time. And you, gosh, man, that's it. I, I, I'm blown away at, at everything you do with this, man. We pretty much get together, BS over Zoom for an hour, and I throw it on uh, iTunes, Easy. iTunes, Spotify, stuff like that. Yeah, but, well, please check them out. Please check out his uh, Instagram, amazing dude, and also check out the podcast. It's really cool. You guys will like if you like my podcast, you'll like that podcast. So uh, thank you for coming on, dude. Appreciate it. Thank you. Guys Good very luck much. this year. Appreciate it.